Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Hey, everyone. It's Scott from Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast and the Zamboni Time Machine. If you want to create your own podcast, the best option to make that happen is Anchor. If you ever heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, and who doesn't like free? There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, hockey fans, and welcome to Marty's Illegal Stick, episode number 52, recorded here on November 23rd, 2021. Um, we got a great show lined up for you today, but you'll notice that the setting is a little bit different again. Um, well, we're missing some of our key components, shall we say. Uh, first of all, the Macho Dom can't be here. Macho Dom is still working. Uh, he actually has to pay the bills, as we all do, so uh, he apologizes. He wishes he could be here, but... We'll try again next week. And uh, Gumper can't be here again for uh, his shuffleboard reasons. We've, we've been talking <laughs> about that. Gump loves his shuffleboard. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, noticeably absent uh, on a serious note here, uh, Dave the Save. Uh, you'll notice I'm not in the studio. Dave is uh, very sick. Uh, he's been in the hospital for a few days and uh, he's probably going to have a pretty uh, long recovery. Um, but uh, you know what? Fact of the matter is, I just talked to his wife, and uh, he's doing better. So, um, you know, if, if you're a religious person, say a prayer for Dave. If not, just at least think a good thought for him. We're all pulling for him, and hope he's back as soon as possible. So, uh, there's going to be no countdown music, no commercials, or anything like that, because I'm going to tell you something: I can't do that stuff. So, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, we do have one of our regulars with us. It's the professor, Jeremy Roberts. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, yeah, we're I just, uh, I hear you. multitasking here and, uh, <laughs> you know, doing the best we can. Yeah. So, uh, you ready to talk some AHL hockey here or what? Oh yeah. Cause I'm going to bring in our guest. Our guest is one of the co-hosts of the Calder Farmstead podcast. It's an AHL podcast. As a matter of fact, um, actually, I think he's like the only analytics guy in the AHL. So I'm going to bring him in. It's Mr. Sean O'Brien. What's up, buddy? Not much. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, uh, there are a couple people who do like some uh, live tracking and some like data analytics for their team. But as far as I know, I am the only one that does it for the whole league. So uh, that makes wow. me the best <laughs> and the worst at it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you, you do a heck of a job because, I mean, that's got to be tough to do it for the entire league. 
It is, especially because like I have absolutely no supervision, which is fun because that means when I make graphs, I can use logos that are, you know, maybe not the standard ones. And if anyone yells at me, they are not my supervisor. <laughs> uh, but it also means when I screw up, 100% of the screw up is my fault, which has happened already this season where I was trying to figure out a way to pull because there are no injury reports in the AHL, but guys right. still miss games due to injury. And I was trying to figure a way to pull them out of the system automatically. And I thought I had figured it out. I think I sent out a tweet or something that was like, this is either going to work perfectly or completely screw it up. And yeah, it completely screwed it up. So I had to spend <laughs> most of uh, one day trying to unscrew it up to the point where uh, I think I said to one of my data analysis friends, I was like, you know, I'm in a good place when I'm uh, coding pieces of data that are just called FML and please work. <laughs> it is uh it is definitely a labor of love but there are definitely moments where i really wish there was at least a couple more of us so that like when i do stupid things like that i can you know get someone to at least give me some uh friendly advice or whatever uh like that but it's it is a lot of fun and it's definitely a useful cheat sheet when you know because there isn't a lot of league-wide coverage so we, right. no. we have to kind of do the best we can with what's 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 given to us Wow, that that is absolutely incredible. I mean, so does the AHL work with you on that? Is, no, is that, God no. The <laughs> AHL. I just had to ask. <laughs> if you had to ask, I'm sure that there are parts of the the league behind the scenes that are probably a little annoyed by it because, like, if you're a coach and someone sees like their team just trending down like that, they're the ones that have to answer for it, and it's out right. there in the public. So, like, God forbid, one of their GMs or owners or anything is like, "Man, why does this kid think our team sucks?" <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so where can we find that info? So uh, all of the graphs and stuff uh, that I post on Twitter, I actually didn't get to post any today because I was busy doing other things, but it did make the updates. But uh, you can find all of that on my Tableau page. It's uh, free to the public to go look at. Uh, it's you can easiest way to find it is through like a bit.ly link. It's bit.ly slash data dump and chase all lowercase, all one word. Uh, everything there is up to date through today, uh, through Tuesday's data before the uh penguins checkers game that's tonight uh no but kidding. it gets updated usually weekly around tuesdays because there aren't usually games on tuesdays or if there are it's like one and i usually have some spare time on tuesday so that's usually the day i, I kind of get around to it uh and trying to update it every day is nonsensical i have a life all <laughs> <Hey>, right <laughs> no kid i can't say as i believe it but i'll tell you what we'll put that link up on our website because i, I tell you that that is just a really really cool thing so, uh, so tell us a little bit about your podcast, the Calder Farmstead. Uh, first and foremost, I got to know, how did you guys come up with that name? So we uh, actually workshopped that name a lot. We had, I think, probably five or six that were some that were kind of in that like Calder Farms, Calder Farmstead area and a couple others that were like way out there. And that was the one that we settled on. Um, but we actually started doing podcasting about the AHL under a podcast under a different name. We used to be in the corners and it was an e it started as an ECHL podcast with just CC hosting. And mm -hmm. then it became kind of a blended ECHL AHL podcast. And then I kind of came on as like an unofficial co-host for a bit. And then I was the co-host official co-host. And then we cut to being just an AHL podcast because we already struggle enough to cover one league as a whole, let alone, right. sure. you know, constant turnover and wildness. That is the ECHL. Right. Um, and then we decided to leave that outlet and come to full press. And 
we wanted to change the name because there were a lot of other things that like I wasn't really thrilled with the name in the corners and neither was he like our graphics were kind of grungy looking uh, and we decided like let's go a completely different direction and let's find something that's a little bit more of kind of our our brand which is uh, serious analysis from not serious people and I, I feel like we do a good job with that and incorporating that into pretty much everything we do uh, so that took us a while in the name. I think we probably bounced around with that for a couple of weeks. Um, but it's, uh, it's been a, it is definitely a labor, uh, our preseason, um, scouting reports for every team. We did 31 teams in the AHL in 31 days, covering 492 players in depth Woo, wow. talked about, uh, you know, what they're good at, what they're bad at, what it looks like on the ice. Uh, and then gave outcomes for, you know, uh, best case scenario, worst case, and then most likely case. And we covered pretty much the top nine forwards and top four D in both goalies in most respects. And when we started 31 days out, like those first ones, yeah, we had a couple of misses who was going to make the roster because we're a month right. away from puck drop. But right. I mean, that was exhausting, but I mean, we did a really good job with it. And I felt like we prepped people for their team for those seasons and, at least most of it has held up pretty well so far. Although we're going to talk about one here, uh, why I'm here that maybe not as hot, uh, but <laughs> no, that's uh, but you know, but again, it goes right back to, I mean, you guys are covering the entire league and what people don't, you know, it, it, people have to keep in mind is that with the NHL, there seems to be information about the NHL, like everybody's fingertips because everybody's covering the NHL. Right. right. Whereas with the AHL, that coverage does not come as easy. So, you know, Really, hats off to you guys for, for the job that you do. It, it really is incredible. And, of course, you can find that all, on all major podcast platforms. I mean, yeah, we uh, are, are like, uh, like Linktree page has our YouTube channel, Google, Apple, and Spotify. But, like, it's – I mean, if you can find some place to get podcasts that, like, people realistically use – Mm-hmm. And we're not on there. I'd be shocked because I know it's on, you know, TuneIn, Podbean, right, you know, I love iHeartRadio, all, all like any place that I could even think of to like that people would listen to a podcast. Uh, we tried to get it on there. So it's I mean, it's on Amazon Audible for Christ's sake. Wow. So, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you can't find it, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, you're using yeah. a podcatcher that probably is just stealing your data and sell, sending it to the communists. So, <laughs> <laughs> I got to remember that one. That's great. That is great. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, there's no way that, that we could ever cover the whole AHL like you guys do, but no. we do have a, a, obviously our Utica comments. This is our, uh, right in our wheelhouse. Um, we, there, there you is. go. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So Sean, let me ask you just right off the hop here. Uh, obviously I don't think anybody pegged them to be 13. Oh, no, no, at this point. Uh, but what's your view on this team so far? And are you, um, how, how surprised are you by their good start? I mean, anyone who says they knew the Utica Comets would be this good uh, in the preseason is either psychic or a lot or lying. And since <laughs> psychics aren't real, that pretty much narrows it down. Uh, but after watching a lot of Binghamton last year, who, you know, is now the new U- Utica Comets, like mm-hmm. it was hard to be overly optimistic because that team was very, very bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think we thought they could be decent if they got a lot of good breaks and there were a number of, if kind of break points for them, I think our best case scenario in our season preview for them was second place in the division. And our most likely was, I want to say fourth in the division. Mm -hmm. 
while like we thought they'd be better than Binghamton because we did that preview bef- uh, after Kevin Deneen came on and both of us after watching San Diego last year, were like, no, Kevin Deneen is one of the best coaches in this league, bar none. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a finalist for our best coach award uh, that def- that inevitably went to Joel Bouchard. But I want to say Deneen finished second in our, you know, mm-hmm. two person voting uh, elimination. <laughs> but it's just amazing how much they've gotten pretty much every good break that's gone their way. I mean, they've, we, we thought guys that were young would take steps forward, but we didn't expect these giant leaps from like Graham Clark or Nikita right. Hochuk. Oh uh, yeah. Who just, I mean, watching them under Mark Dennehy, they looked very much in over their head and at some points just lost. And it's amazing to see a lot of those just big, big steps in, uh, in development from them. And some of that, you know, will stick for sure. Some of it will not because, you know, they're eventually going to lose games and they've gotten a lot of good luck along the way with that. But Mm -hmm. that, you know, good luck doesn't last forever. Right. Sure. No, absolutely. Totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, and and I'll tell you, Jeremy, I'm I'm sure you feel the same way. Watching the Devils when they came to the Adirondack Bank Center last year and they play, you know, that version of the Comets, that you know, the Vancouver-St. Louis uh, mixture there. You know, when, when the news came through that that team was moving to you, it's like, wow, we're, we're glad to have a team. <laughs> right. We're, oh, my right. God. Yeah, yeah. We're, we got a team again. But uh, how is this going to so, work out? Yeah. So, yeah, this has certainly been just a, a fantastic surprise. I mean, that's uh, – and, you know, I, I think – and I don't know if you agree with this or not. The One of the big strengths of the, the comments right now is the ability to, to roll four lines. Oh yeah. This is a I mean, this is a team that does not depend on just one top line. No. I mean, every line contributes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I mean anytime you can roll four lines who have legitimate talent on it. I mean, you know, sometimes you'll get good luck and good bounces from like your bottom six, but like yeah. they have at least, you know, usable talent up and down the roster. Some of which I think is maybe outkicked its coverage a, a little bit, but like they don't have, uh, there are a lot of other teams in the league be like, okay, yeah, they're carried by a strong top six. And then their bottom line is, you know, an ECHL second line at best. Right. Like they're, right. But the comments definitely are not built that way. And we talked about that a little bit on our podcast earlier when we were breaking down the comments, I think like two weeks ago. And we said like, they really managed to like get rid of the bad parts of that devil's team and, you know, bring in a lot of really good uh, veterans who were definitely upgrades. Uh, mm-hmm. The only one that I think that I was surprised that they weren't able to keep a hold of was Ben Street. I thought Ben Street might stick around because he was at least, you know, trying to carry that Binghamton team to mediocrity, kicking and screaming. But like, yes. so so much of the, that team just looked awful. And yes, they were young, but a lot of it I pin on Mark Dennehy, who at multiple points last season, I was just like, yeah, he's probably one of the worst coaches in this league. <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly shows now I mean, what what a, what a turnaround with Dino behind the bench. Yeah, and you know a, another thing that they're they're getting, and you know who knows how long it's going to last. Hopefully for the rest of the season, uh, they got two goaltenders that are playing their first professional seasons in North America. Akira Schmidt's number one in the AHL in both goals against average and save percentage. Nico Dawes is tied for most wins. I think he's fourth in goals against average and second in in save percentage. Just an unreal performance they're getting out of both of those guys. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying they've had like they're young, and I expect at some point, you know, they're going to hit some some troubled times because uh, you know a handful of games that they played is not necessarily a fair evaluation, positively or negatively, on their abilities. Like I was 
cautiously optimistic on both of them. They're both enormous. I think yes. both yeah, are six five, and while not the spryest of athletes, like they can move pretty well. And when you're that big, you can you know maybe not be able to get post to post as fast as some of the younger, more smaller, more athletic guys, but you make up for it in just sheer length. But right. they've they've had uh you know they've had to make big saves at times, but compared to some of their peers, they've had they've had a pretty good defense in front of them that gives them an easier workload most nights you know absolutely yeah yeah they uh, we have we we do we have fallen into the tunnel of we are definitely a second period third period team um you know the first period is a little slow for us um and we, we've we've kind of gained that mantra as that's what every fan now expects like you know they're like oh it's all right flex second third period we'll come around we'll wake up that's not going to last all year like you can't live on that because it's it, it will hurt you and they've had some good first periods, but none that were just, you know, blowing teams out of the water like they right. seem to be doing in the second and third. But I think one right. of the biggest strengths that Kevin Deneen has been, even when he was in San Diego, this is one of the big credits to him that kind of ended up with him as one of our coach of the year candidates is his ability to make adjustments and to get guys to uh, be in the right spots, utilize talent well that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when the last year when he was in San Diego and the Ducks were, you know, basically had him stripped down to spare parts where he's playing two defensemen on uh, forward lines. Right. He was still managing to, you know, that, that team adjusted. They played a different style. They played different tactics, but they made changes and they made them fast. And he got guys to basically just shut up and listen and you right. know, buy in. And that's what you see a lot of is his ability to make adjustments and prepare. I mean, prepare that team. Well, I watched yeah. that game. uh where they had to go to Canada and play Laval and Laval's, you know, forecheck even uh, under JF Hool has been pretty good, even if it's broken down at times. And the rest of that team has been not as great as it was under Bouchard. Like mm-hmm. he had them catching guys from behind in the mm-hmm. neutral zone that are not speedsters, but they were right. just moving their feet. He's gotten really good buy-in from them. And I think that's the other thing too, that even when they've come through rough first periods, that team is well-prepared. They're not a team that has a lot of foot speed up and down the roster, especially based on like their skating ability, but they play fast because they know where they're supposed to go with the puck, where the other team is, what's going on around them. So when the play comes their way, they don't have to stop and think about what they're supposed to do. They can just focus on execution because even at the AHL level, like the game moves too fast for you to be getting the puck and being like, oh, okay, this is going way – like, you don't have – You don't have that time. Right. Right. So that ability for him to maybe not right out of the hop have them look the most prepared, but having them, you know, once they kind of get in the groove, look like they can out-execute teams is a big a big reason that they're definitely rolling four lines as well and their ability to play fast, even if they aren't necessarily a fast team skating-wise. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. You know, it's funny you mentioned that Laval game because that was – uh, supposed to be sort of a revenge game for Cole Caulfield after the, <laughs> all the, the controversy there on yeah. Twitter of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when you score one from below the dots on the outside, yeah. I don't know what more, you know, I don't know how you could dunk on a goalie too much more than that. But like, I know, right? <laughs> well, at least at least the Cowboys came away with the win. That that was because that would have been horrible if that was like the game winning goal. Oh, so let me ask you. So we, we talked about the slow starts. And all that. Is there any other real weaknesses that you, you see in the comments that could really maybe hurt them down the road? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but they have without a doubt been the luckiest team in the AHL. And they have a large number of guys who are scoring at a rate that 
is just unsustainable. I mean, Nate Schnarr's shooting percentage is 20%. His career average is 11.3. Joe Gambardella's <laughs> shooting at 27.3. And while, yes, he had that one season in Bakersfield in 1819 where he shot at almost 30%, he shot 15-2 and 12-5 the following two seasons. So 27.3 is not a sustainable number for him. Sure. Arnie Talvitti is shooting 35.7%. Now, he's still young, so his career average is going to be clearly based mostly around that number. But right. in Jerry Mayhew's 1920 season, where he was on pace for about 50 goals, he shot 21.8%. Arnie Talvitti is not Jerry Mayhew in 1920. No. In terms of no. no. Like, I think he's pretty good, but he is not 14 points better than Jerry Mayhew right. that year. Now, that's right. not to say like those guys are bums, they're going to fall off the face of the earth, because – when you have a talented team that's getting good puck luck, this is what it looks like. But good luck runs out eventually. Just ask Ooh. last year's Henderson Silver Knights in the quote-unquote right. playoffs. Right. They were a team that rode great puck luck through most of the season. Yeah, they had talent on that team, but you know they ran into they ran out of gas in the end. The 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning that you know famously got swept in the first round. Yep. Yep. They had great puck luck all year and were obviously very talented team, but you know, good luck runs out eventually. The Comets have also been really good on special teams, but they have the worst penalty differential in the league, meaning they're taking a lot of more penalties than they're drawing. And while you can, you know, scream at refs being refs and biased against your team, the other side does that exact thing too. (laughs) No way, really? Exactly true. And most of the games that I watch, you don't see a whole lot of egregious calls, you know, clearly against one team. You know, the game moves fast. The refs are only four sets of eyes that can call penalty or two sets of eyes that can call penalties. So they are going to miss some or something looks like a penalty that really wasn't. I think there was a moment in that Laval game that I watched where someone got called for a slash or a high stick where like me slowing it down with replay. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that was a bad call. But from where the refs, you know, sees it point of view. Yeah. But like, should some of those PK uh, or penalty or power play units cool off a little bit, they're either going to need to play a little cleaner or that penalty differential is going to start to be one of the factors that, you know, maybe doesn't sink the ship, but brings them back to earth a little bit more. Cause I, I feel like we're all aware they're not going 72 and 0. Oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. No. I mean, that's, that's yeah. I think that's just a little bit too high of a bar. Just, yeah. just yeah. A and I've said that same thing. I'm like, I go, everybody knows that we're not going 72 and 0, but it's going to be heartbreaking watching that first loss happen. Or it depends on how that first loss does happen. Are we going to get absolutely shelled? Are we going to take all these penalties and all of a sudden then we're going to be exposed? But are we, are we already, we're already there. We're already been exposed. So it's like this team, like you said, they've bought into the system and they like, and they play well for each other. And that's the biggest thing. The chemistry with this team is unreal. It's remarkable how well they're playing. And it's going to be one of those things too, where like it all looks so much so effortless when pucks are just going in or when pucks are staying out, like, that, that's the other thing too, where it's like, yeah, they're riding a huge number of uh, a huge amount of puck luck. And it just looks like it's effortless. Like everyone's just finding each other. And there, when some of that starts to come back to reality a little bit, uh, I think you're going to see, you know, some struggles. Uh, I I've, I've been campaigning that I think Nolan foot should not be on the line with Schmelzer and Gambardella. And he needs to get more involved in those games. Cause he's been like the only one on that team who's really, 
not been a, a huge factor so far this year. He had a good weekend said for that. sure. Yeah, I've and said like, this. Contour yeah. yeah, building him, but like he's a guy too that I I think that's one of the only road complaints I've uh, I would have had with uh like I would have done you know the lineup a little differently. I'd be trying to find him with uh, Graham Clark or with uh, Chase DeLeo when he's in town, mm-hmm. but like someone who's able to find him in space because he's not going to be a guy who goes blue line to blue line with the puck. Right, he's, right. He's not going to be, uh, you know, setting up plays from the outside. He's very much a get to the front of the net, get, find soft ice in that slot area and mm-hmm. bang home, you know, a beautiful pass or a rebound or get a tip. But like th- that's more his skill set. I don't feel like Schmelzer or sometimes Nate Schnarr or Joe Gambardella really overlap that well. And he's kind of had to figure it out on his own without necessarily like a nice Venn diagram of skill sets on his line. Yeah, uh, it's exactly exactly. Right. I've been saying that for weeks. Yeah. yeah. And well, there, there are a lot of other little things too, that where it's like, this is going well for them. And mm-hmm. you know, once that kind of starts to slide back the other way, cause I mean, h- hockey is still a sport that has a bunch of luck in it. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vulcanized rubber biscuit on the slickest surface we can find. Goofy <laughs> stuff is gonna happen. And currently, you know, goofy yeah. stuff is going in their direction. Very, very unsustainably. Yeah. It's going to start going the other way. And then you're going to be like, wow, why can we not put a puck in the net? Why are we right. just missing wide open shots? Why is right. you know, why is the sky falling? Like, <laughs> and that's it, and it's gonna off. it's gonna happen. Like I mean, oh, yeah. the fans here in Utica are gonna lose their minds once things start going wrong. And it's like you said, it's hockey. Like that's how the hockey god works. Yep. It yeah. does, it's not he's not perfect all the time. He's he's not gonna put a seventy two and zero the first year we have him here, and we're gonna have all this easy cake run through the whole everything. It's like it doesn't happen that way. It's not reality. Especially, too, like even the teams that do get, you know, really hot uh, at the beginning of the season, they're almost always the ones that flame out when playoffs matters. Yeah, that's they're They're just out of that good puck luck or and sometimes uh, just out of gas. At least the Devils seem to be doing them some favors in the sense that they seem to be completely okay with not giving extended looks to guys like Holtz or uh, any of their other kind of key young guys uh right. so that that they at least have that benefit going for them that the Devils seem to still be like yeah we're maybe not going for the number one pick but like another top yeah, right? five <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> well yeah because you know it's funny you mentioned alexander holtz because there was a huge transaction today of interest for uh, utica fans yeah. whereas leading scorer chase the was recalled by the new jersey devils and in his place they sent holtzy back down to utica um, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about that the other night up at the game there. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a win-win for, for both Holtz and the Devils because he was, you know, he was a healthy scratch a few times up in New Jersey. And, you know, let's, let's face it, the kid's 19 years old. Right. I mean, you know, he does need some developmental time. There's no doubt about it. So he's certainly going to get playing time in Utica. Um, I'll be interested to see who else they send back down when uh, Jack Hughes is ready to come back because Jack Hughes is back to practicing, albeit non-contact and all that. But right. uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, I think Holtz being in Utica is going to be a good thing. I think the important thing for, for them, too, and we've you know beaten this drum a, a million times on the Calder Farmstead about it's important to not yo-yo guys. Like, nothing ruins a prospect more than just keep bringing them up for, like, a week, maybe playing them for a game or two, and then shooting them right shooting back, back down. down. Right. right. I mean, we've said that about uh, – Montreal calling Cole Caulfield back up already. Like, nope, you needed to leave him there longer. Cause now if you yes. send him back, it's going to be a problem. 
Yep. If you send if they send Cole Caulfield back to Laval, you cannot bring him back to Montreal. Like no. you can't. No. Like if if I'm the Devils, where Holtz is there for the rest of the year now. Like we got to look sure. at you. We saw you know a little bit of what you could do in practice, a game or two, but like you you need to stay there. Like mm-hmm. Holtz is very good. That man can shoot the puck. Uh, you know from the parking gla- uh, parking garage part. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. There's still yeah. a lot to his game that needs work. Yeah, and he's still a kid. He's still yeah, yeah. Kid. He's still nineteen, and like <laughs> yeah, he's, still right, he's, he's still kind of a scrawny nineteen-year-old. Yeah, like, yeah. He's still struggling to play through contact. To yep. you know, I mean, I don't ever expect him to be out there throwing his body around like he's Joe Hicketts uh, or something like that, even for a smaller guy. But like he's he's going to need to be able to kind of figure those moments out because, and his skating too is not the strongest. So the fact that he's kind of a smaller dude struggles to play through contact and can't just speed got by guys or threaten to do so. He's going to get pushed to the outside a lot more at the NHL level because defensemen just aren't scared. They can take risks with him knowing that he won't be able to just walk past them and make them look stupid. Like he's Pat O'Burry. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Great comparison there, by the way. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. I like that. I like that a lot. So, uh, you know, obviously for the Comets, their biggest rivals are, of course, the Syracuse Crunch and the Rochester Americans, both in the AHL North with them. What's your views on those teams? And is there any particular team in the AHL North division that the Comets need to watch out for? I have not been that impressed with Syracuse. I haven't gotten to see them as much so far this year. I mean, uh, Dumont and Hudon are both very good. Uh, I don't quite believe Jimmy Huntington is as good as his results have been so far. And after that, the crunch forward group has full, is just full of guys that are like, yeah, he's okay-ish. He's not terrible. He's right. fine. But that lack of depth behind their top lineup uh, is a little bit worrisome. Their blue line, I don't think uh, Day is as good as his results have been. But behind him is a lot of guys. It's like, that guy's fine. Like, he's a good number four defenseman, but he's their number two defenseman. Like, they don't have a a lot of guys where I'm like, oh, my God, he's terrible. How did he make this league? But they have – what I like to think of is they aren't doing anything terribly wrong with their roster, but there's a lot of, like, yeah, you wish that guy was better. You wish he was a little better. And Tampa, you know, being in the injury problems that they have, I just think I saw Braden Point is out indefinitely for them. Uh, I I don't think – yeah some of the guys that they thought were going to be in the mix in Syracuse this year, uh, Barry Boulay, um, Oh, radish. Well, one radish is there, but I think they were counting on having multiple radishes, uh, the radish eye. But, uh, <laughs> I also think that they Syracuse was somewhat counting on having, uh, Oh, his name just left me Russian guy. Who's in uh, Tampa right now who like ripped up Sarah, who was ripping it up for Syracuse last year. I cannot think of his name off the top of my head. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, it was but, it was Dario for some. I I gotta look it up. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I gotta look. I'll I'll look that one up later. But uh, they're like they had a number of guys who it seemed like in camp they're like, oh, this team is gonna have a bit of a deep forward core. They still are mostly gonna be driven by star power. But Tampa has taken a lot of those guys, and what's left is just kind of fine. Like they're not gonna be the worst team in that division, but they should not be the best. They've right. had goaltending struggles, which. I kind of anticipated given that they had two young goaltenders who were coming over from Europe. So, and that are, you know, tried and true Europeans. So like, I imagined there was going to be some adjustment to the ice surface, the level of play, as well as, you know, the good old fashioned language barriers that Mm -hmm. probably suck. uh, Especially (laughs) when you, as a goalie, you only have one other teammate. And if he doesn't speak good English and can't translate for you, you're hoping to God there's another guy in town or like, 
a very strong Russian program at the local university. <laughs> uh, Rochester so far has been probably the most amazing half team I've seen in recent memory. Uh, the games I've seen them in, it's all offense and like maybe a, a little bit of defense here and there. Yeah. Uh, Goaltending has definitely been a problem from them. Uh, Ukapeka Lukanen, or as we call him on our show, Rifle, uh, has done his usual flashes of hope to fans and he'll string some, you know, decent strongish games together and then he'll get burned for four goals on 19 shots. Uh, right. And a fair portion of that is the incredibly bad defense in front of him, but I've never really seen enough from rifle to make me into a believer where so many people seem like they're just like, that's the next, that's the goalie yeah. of the future in Buffalo. And I'm like, how far into the future are we? It's funny you say that too, because there are a lot of Sabres fans right here that, that say that same exact thing. It's like, I don't even think at this geez. point he's the best prospect in the Sabres pipeline. Uh, I think, oh, what is his name? Callie, Callie Klang is probably a sharper goaltending prospect for the Sabres right now. Uh, they have a couple others. In Michigan too. Who's the goalie in Michigan? Him. Eric Levi, Portillo. Yes, Portillo. Yeah. There it is right there. Oh, well, Eric Portillo also very good. Yes. Like, so I think that the fact that there's a lot of insurance behind him that like, oh, well, he doesn't work out. All right. Next year, we got these two other guys that that can be our, you know, new future goaltending uh, guy. So like that in their defense, like their defense is bad. It's, <laughs> oh, I've yeah. Seen it. it's yeah. you can't yeah. defend the, the high danger area as poorly as they do and expect to put him in good places. But like, he lets up a lot of goals where it's like, was that really his fault? No, but every once in a while, you'd really like to see him maybe steal a tough goal or two back just right. on, you know, pure ability. Sure. And he just never seems to get there. Uh, but the Sabres seem content to let guys like Quinn, Paterka, and Krebs just spend the season in Rochester, though, which, I mean, if nothing else, the Amherst are going to be a fun team to watch because it's just going to be a track meet every night if they're going to have a chance to win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely like that Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lukanen got hung out to dry. I mean, they took him out after the fourth goal in the second period. And, but I tell you that I will give them credit that they did not give up Saturday night. They just kept coming back at the Comets. So, and, man, I'll tell you that Quinn, Paterka, and Krebs, they, as much as I hate to say it, they were playing for the opposite team, but that was a fun power play to watch, anyways. And yeah. I do have to say that I think Uka Pekalukanen has the funnest name in the AHL to say, anyhow. <laughs> well, we actually nicknamed him Rifle because uh, the Finnish standard issue rifle for the Finnish Army is actually was like years ago. I think it was in the 30s or whatever. It was actually called Uka Pekalukanen. I'm like, wow, really? that's, that's it. That's the nickname. That's why we call him that's, Rifle. That's, uh, that's awesome. That is yeah. really cool. I did not know that. I mean, the only reason I know that is because I came up with it via Google. So <laughs> I was just like, like, because most, like most Finnish Swedish names, like their names mean stuff, whereas ours right. uh, as Americans typically don't. Right. So like, I was like, all right, I wonder what this means in Finnish. And it came up. It's like, oh yeah, the like Finnish uh, standard issue rifle for the military in like the forties. Literally <laughs> just called. Back to look. I'm like, well, that's it. There you go. That's right. I don't need to look any further. That's the answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> as far as rounding out the rest of the North Division, though, I mean, the Marlies have depth, and they seem to be kind of yeah. finding their stride after an ugly start. But they seem to shuffle that roster a lot, and the goalie injury bug is rearing its ugly head. I think Eric Calgren just went down with a concussion. I want to say it was, mm -hmm. uh, but. He doesn't – I mean, unless they plan on riding Michael Hutchinson, which is not a terrible idea. I just don't think they'll do it, and they'll try and continue to pretend that Andrew Agazino 
or uh, Agostino, Andrew Agostino, different guy. Uh, Andrew Agostino is an AHL goalie, which uh, I have said the entire time. Nope. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> like Ian Scott for them also hurt. Uh, but with just Hutchinson and like them, I, I definitely think the, uh, the Maple Leafs are going to, you know, pick up guys here and there. Uh, sure. They, they have a couple of young prospects down there that it's like, and they seem uh, Toronto loves to play fourth line shuffle with the uh, Marlies and Maple Leafs. So I think they're going to have at least some struggles for consistency, but on any given night, they can be a competitive team. To me, the team in the North that I think is a bit under the radar is Cleveland. Well, uh, Daniil Tarasov has definitely looked like a much bigger goaltending project this season than I think anyone was ready for. They certainly have the horses up front to compete and, the way that Mike Eves has that team playing to a style that should be very fall very naturally to them, a very fast pace, fast break kind of style while still being responsible on the forecheck fits very well with the skill set of that team, which is surprising because I think Mike Eves is a coach that is inconsistently okay. Like I've seen him do stuff where I'm like, Oh, look at Mike Eves out here using the big brain. And then other moments I'm like, <laughs> we, have, we have how many defensemen for this six on five out there? Okay. <laughs> Trey Fix Wolanski coming back to Cleveland should be a huge boost to them and should just further be if they have the horses to compete in that division. But there have definitely been games I've seen them in where it's like they kind of feel like they're just like, yeah. But what if we didn't? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, one or two off games, you know, uh, that that's not a big deal. But it seems like given that I think Mike Eves is maybe not the greatest coach and they've had some kind of, uh, you know, playing 60 minute issues. They're a team too, where it's like on any given night, I think they can absolutely, you know, hang with anyone in this division or probably the Eastern conference, but finding that game consistently, I think is going to be the biggest challenge for Cleveland and also Tarasov trying to find even league average goaltending is going to be a struggle right. despite having the raw tools to clearly perform at that level. He just can't seem to put it together. And it's so weird for me to say that JF Barube is a top goaltender this season. <laughs> I watched a lot of him last year in Ontario and in previous years and as many other stops. And like that guy hasn't looked like a starting goaltender in at least three years. And here we are. He's like in the top five and save percentage. I want to say he's in the like upper corner on one of my goaltending charts. And it's just like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah, well, watching him, it's no, he looks like that guy more or less. That's <laughs> unusual, but I guess I believe it. I, like, <laughs> but th that's that, that would be my read of the North. Uh, I still think Belleville is that team that every once in like, I don't think they're going to be good over the course of the season, but they were actually my pick to upset the Comets uh, a little bit ago because that team keeps getting up off the mat when you swing at them. Like yeah. they're not the most talented. They're definitely not the most aggressive. They're not the best coach, but Troy Mann gets that team to play 60 hard minutes and yeah. they have what should be a very good goaltending tandem. So like if they're still hanging on, you know, two one in the third period, that's a live game for them that they can pull away, not being the best team on the ice, but just out there grinding every shift. Like, right. And Belleville is going to be that team where God forbid, if they make the playoffs in like that opening three game series, they could win a playoff series just strictly off of the old, like nineties, Buffalo Sabres, best goaltender in the room. And like, we can score <laughs> two goals. <laughs> <Sometimes that's not> <laughs> yep. 
And, you know, it's funny you mentioned J.F. Ruby because he found the fountain of 2015. I don't know if you heard that or not. But <laughs> um, just real quick, so the uh, the Comets schedule is actually going to get a little bit more difficult because they're going to be playing some teams from the Atlantic. Uh, noticeably, it looks like Springfield and Hartford are the class of that division. What's your thoughts on those two teams? I haven't seen a whole lot of Hartford so far this season, just a little bit of bits and pieces. We haven't gotten to dive into them on the show. And, you know, teams that we haven't dive in, uh, dived in on yet, I don't watch a whole lot of because mm-hmm. I already watch somewhere between six and eight games a weekend. So I only have so much time available to try and get through everything. <laughs> what do you but, say? Uh, you need to sleep? Come on. <laughs> yeah, especially during football season where I do yeah, right. try and watch, you know, my, my football teams play at least a little bit as well. But um, sure. I don't know if I 100%, 100% buy into the heart, uh, the hype behind Hartford, but seeing Anthony Greco look alive again has been fun. Mm-hmm. I expected Tyrone to take a bigger step back after last season because I thought that was more good luck than good talent. But mm-hmm. he's been solid so far. I definitely don't believe that Tim Gettinger is as good as those results, but I haven't gotten to see him enough to really feel like I'm confident in that evaluation. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, same thing with guys like Johnny Brodzinski, uh, AKA Johnny be good. I really feel like <laughs> we've kind of outshot expectations by a fair amount this year. I'm also definitely not a big believer in their defensive core and I'm not very high on Chris Knobloch. So we'll see where they go. They're clicking right now, but hockey the hockey season is a marathon, not a sprint. They're out mm-hmm. in front now, and the model uh, that I use that projects standings has them currently in first in the Atlantic, but that's also with a Hershey team that's still missing like five dudes that are important to them, mm-hmm. as well as a couple other places that are maybe not – this is a, the, a good moment for them, but they're probably not going to finish the season that way, but my model does not know that, and oh. neither does really anyone. Um, right. Uh, you guys are definitely lucky that you dodged Springfield while the Scott Perunovich pain tour was still Ooh. selling tickets. Yeah, no uh, kidding, right? And, like, I mean, that team is definitely going to be worse without him because he was probably the league's MVP through the first 15 games of the season. Absolutely. Uh, but they still have a solid forward group. Um, but I'm not a big bl- believer in the rest of the decor with Perunovich gone, but it should be enough for them to get by. Their goaltending... Like it looks good when I watch them, but also I remember the names that are on those jerseys. And I'm like, that, I mean, it looks like it's working, but goaltending is very hard to evaluate. Uh, one of the things that, I mean, I did not come up with this phrase by any means. I've heard many people say it, but goaltending is basically voodoo. So any, any goaltender on any given year, if he's somewhere within the top 20 in terms of talent level can finish anywhere from basically one to 20. Like mm. goaltending is a lot of un, not say unrepeatable good luck, but like when you're trying to stop pucks at that level, the difference between you getting that puck and you not getting that puck is like hundreds of a second. And the things that affect your ability to react at that time, you know, sleep, travel, stress, sure. caffeine, like it's, it's such a, it's, you know, yeah. it, it's such just a, you know, spin the wheel and pray. So their goaltending seems to be doing things now in Springfield, but I don't know if I think that that's a reliable source uh, of good goaltending for them. Providence has been a really hard uh, team to get a read on. Their D have certainly struggled out of the gates and haven't been what they've been last year, including Jack Ashan, who I was all aboard the Jack Ashan hype train last season. <laughs> Aaron Ness hasn't been what he used to be. And at 31, who knows if he ever will be again. Sure, Oscar sure. Steon has been a lot more consistent than he's ever been in his career as a professional hockey player, but it's still early and I still 
have questions of whether or not he's going to be able to keep up that level of effort the whole year. Cause in past years, it's been like, Oh, he's finally going to break. Oh, okay. Five games. <laughs> Jack Stanika has not been his usual self and their bottom six as it stands right now in Providence is a little, uh, light on talent. There's still enough on the roster to be in the mix. Uh, but it seems early that Ryan Mujanel is not quite getting the same out of them that Jay Leach did. But again, it's only been a handful of games and Jay Leach is a very good coach. So that's, you know, maybe not being terribly fair to them. Uh, you guys also play, I think, Lehigh Valley a little bit on the schedule. They've yep. been an absolute just mess. They yes, probably, yes. If Utica has been the luckiest team in the league, Lehigh Valley has got to have been the unluckiest. Uh, right. In terms of just puck luck combined with injury luck, uh, a lot of choices that newly minted head coach Ian Lapierre has made that have been pretty obviously not great choices, uh, but he's only had 16 games in his head coaching career and is a first time head coach at any professional level. So mm -hmm. there should be a good amount of leash for him. Uh, but especially given the amount of bad luck they've had, like they're making good shots, they're getting good scoring chances, but it's just not going in for them. Their bottom six also and bottom parts of their lineup are not doing them any favors, especially on defense. Uh, I mean, outside of Igor Zamula and, um, Cam York, I haven't really liked anyone on that de that defensive core. They do have uh, – oh, I can't think of his name. It just left me. Adam Clandenning, who yeah. Yeah. can be a useful defenseman, but in the right spots. Like, he's got a very hard slap shot, but he uses it too often. He's not a – he's a physical defender, but mostly because he cross-checks guys harder than other people do. <laughs> and is straight-up slow. Like he's not very fleet of foot and they have not used him in a way that I felt like has maximized on those talents and minimized on those weaknesses. They've done a fair amount of the opposite of that. And I, I think Lehigh Valley will eventually rebound, but to what degree that they are a good team is very questionable at this point. <sighs> oh, and of course they have former uh, Comets fan favorite, Cal Riley as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's, but that's just it, and, you, and it's hard to tell with with the Atlantic Division teams for our point of view because the Comets don't play them that much, quite frankly. Which, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. They play the the Crunch fourteen times, the Americans twelve, and then the rest of it is kind of just dispersed throughout the Eastern Conference. And of course, Eastern Conference teams don't play in the the Western Conference. Which I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's kind of a shame that they can't figure out a way. Listen, I understand logistics. I understand travel time costs. I, I get all that, but wouldn't it be nice if they could just figure out some way, maybe not every team in the East playing every team in the West every year, but maybe like one division playing another division somehow, some way just to, to figure it out. I don't know. I thought it'd be pretty cool. I don't know what you would, would think about that. I mean, I think that would be great from a fan perspective. I'd certainly enjoy it from the analyst chair I occupy. Uh, I think it would make end season award votes uh, better as they're a trash yes. fire to begin with, because like we talked about before, no one really covers the league as a whole. Uh, so, you know, even if you ask the absolute most dialed in best Utica Comets reporter to name five Bakersfield Condors, you're just going right. to get met with blank stares. Right. And I have absolutely no idea how the league would pull that off from like a financial perspective though. Cause I can't imagine like the increase in revenue of a, uh, the novelty of seeing a new opponent comes anywhere near to the cost of trucking that team out there. And mm -hmm. I don't imagine the ownership groups who foot those bills are willing to do much more than the math as the state of the average AHL's fan, uh, the average sure. AHL fans knowledge of the league as a whole is probably not very concerning to them. 
So like, I would love it. I wish they could do the same, but I also understand that like, this is probably just a math uh, and finance thing. And they just look at the numbers and like, yeah, but what if we just didn't take that L? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> Which is totally understandable too. But you know what? Just um, we'll let you get out of here with this. Speaking of the Western Conference, who you got your eye on out there? Who can, uh, if the Comets do make the Calder Cup final, who would you? You just jinxed it. it. You just jinxed it. <laughs> I said if. I said if. You said jinx. That's still a jinx. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw our meme about Stockton versus Ontario, but those two have yeah. just been blasting teams into the sun. Uh, Vegas looks like it's getting healthier. Uh, so Henderson might get to ice a team full of actual AHL talent top to bottom, which is a bit scary because uh, I still am putting my money on that Logan Thompson is the first goaltender in the history of the league to win back-to-back uh, Baz Memorial trophies as best goaltender. Uh there's my preseason pick in San Diego, who slowly but surely looks to be realizing that they're a roster full of talent. Uh, Abbotsford has stopped trying to reboot Kevin Cosner's Waterworld and has Nick Bailey <laughs> coming back. So they should be able to pick up the pace, uh, especially behind probably the best goalie tandem in the Western Conference. Uh, I still believe in San Diego long term, but right now the, the Western Conference is Stockton, Ontario, and a glut of teams that are merely good-ish. Uh, that's how we thought the division would look like, at least in the Pacific. Uh, but with San Diego on top and everyone else kind of fighting for a semi-distant second, that's not how it's played out this season, at least for the top two in San Diego. But everyone else is kind of like good, but not a great team. I think Stockton and Ontario come back to earth a little bit more. The biggest team in the West that's been surprising and also simultaneously scary is Iowa. I mean, yeah. if... Minnesota is content leaving Marco Rossi and Matthew Boldy in Iowa for, you know, the majority of the season. Good luck, everybody else. Cause those like, yeah, you cannot convince me that Minnesota has 13 better forwards than the two of them kind of in the way that Scott Perunovich was like the fourth best defenseman at St. Louis on a bad day. Right. Uh, right, it, it, right. It's a matter of, do they want to call them up or, or just let them sit and marinate? Cause yes, they're very good, but still have some edges to smooth out. But I could see that going either way, but Iowa's been doing it, you know, uh, in, in waves. It's not just Boldy and uh, Rossi carrying that team to to wins, you know, on the backs of uh, should be ECHL players. They've been getting contributions up and down that lineup. Their goaltending is good. Kalen Addison on the blue line can absolutely ball, even though he's been, you know, creating scoring chances. The pucks haven't quite been going in for him on the score sheet yet. Joe Hicketts has looked like everything the Red Wings hoped for five years ago. Uh, it's They've probably been the scariest team in the West for me because they seem like the one that's doing it in the most sustainable way, whereas I think a lot of the others will either come back to earth or realize their you know talent level eventually. I could see this Iowa team, should all the pieces get to stay there for most of the season, probably be a favorite for the Calder Cup, yeah. which you know, it's 16 games in. So I realize that that's probably not going to look good and I'll be on old takes exposed sooner than, <laughs> rather than later. But <laughs> the, Iowa has been scary in the central, uh, especially because the central is a very talented division. Whereas like the Pacific, it's a lot of like flawed, but okay teams. The central right. has been one where it, it's been like, no top to bottom, all of those, like Iowa's good. Chicago's good. Grand Rapids is surprisingly a lot better than I thought they would have been. Uh, Milwaukee, should they ever been able to pull their head out of their ass is a good team. It's, it's 
to me, it's it's been a surprise, but I think Iowa is probably the Western Conference team, if not one of Stockton, Ontario, or San Diego. You know, it's funny you mentioned Marco Rossi, too, because he's he's been kind of forgotten, actually, because he missed all of last year uh, when he was recovering from COVID. So that would be interesting, too, if Minnesota does leave him down there for the entire year just to get him built back up, so to speak. Uh, but, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens for sure. And Boldy just – I think Boldy had uh... – he definitely was hurt at the beginning of the year. I want to say he got injured in training camp. I don't remember how serious it was, but I think it was enough to that he was supposed to be shelved for a while. Ontario also has Akil Thomas, who's out for, I want to say, sh- shoulder surgery. Yes. He's supposed to be coming back around New Year's. So that's another big piece for them to come back. I know uh, Quentin Byfield also has missed time. He probably should be in Los Angeles. And yeah. Los Angeles seems to think that maybe they don't suck as much as they probably do. So he might, you know, end up in Ontario uh, as well. Which Scott is, is going to cry. That's his favorite ah. team. Uh, yeah. Listen, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Don't worry. <laughs> so the, the Western Conference definitely has some top-heavy teams uh, to be scared of should Utica get that far. But I, I think the biggest thing for them is, like, the, the East still has a lot of sleeping giants. Like, Hershey is – Hershey, yeah. uh, I think yeah. when we talked about them earlier last week, there were seven guys that were important parts of that team that were either hurt or with the Caps who were also hurt. I know right. they just got uh, our uh, flow of the year winner last year, Axel Janssen Fialaby back. Uh, so that should at least be some steps up in the right direction for Hershey. Um, but they they have a good team, but I think it's a lot of top he- – it's very top-heavy. And – should they play Utica in a, a playoff series? I could see Utica getting the better of them just because I think Utica's bottom six and bottom pairs roughly as we stand now are better than Hershey's uh, at when both teams are, you know, peak of their powers. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point too. And, and it's like we talked earlier about the, the Comets ability just to, to roll four lines and pretty much all three D pairs are is on, on an equal level. So, I mean, that's yeah. just going to, that's going to make it fantastic. Well, Sean, listen, we appreciate you coming on and talk to us. This has been a lot of fun, man. We really do appreciate it. Um, you guys are on Facebook and Twitter as well, correct? Oh, yeah. We are on everything that's not TikTok because I absolutely <laughs> refuse. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter uh, and Instagram. Our Twitter is at Calder Farmstead. Our Facebook and Instagram are at the Calder Farmstead because Twitter has character limits to their usernames. For I don't know why. I wanted them all to be the same, but I couldn't make it work. Uh, so that's where you could find the podcast. We're you know, on YouTube, any podcatcher you can find. Uh, if you find us on social media, you'll be able to find us anywhere else that we are. Um, me personally, I am at Sean O'Brien 81 on Twitter. Uh, that's where I post a lot of like my uh, stats work every Tuesday. Most every Tuesday, the system gets updated. And usually there are some observations around the league that I point out with graphs, you know, I think I've made a couple of Utica being like, they are good right now, but this is their puck luck. And <laughs> it's going to run out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, and I mean, again, that's free to access. Uh, we gave the, the link earlier there. You guys can link it again, but uh, bit.ly slash data dump and chase. That's where you can find all of it. And fun thing too, is if you like are looking at them, like, I don't know what any of those means. There's little explainers that link to either tweets that I explained a little bit of what it is. Or it goes to our episode zero from the Calder Farmstead, where it explains, you know, what that thing is in the easiest terms I can. Uh, we did that at the beginning to kind of 
give a primer to people who are not, you know, used to hearing things like PDO or controlled zone entries or, you know, why it's important to shoot from the house or what any of that even means. Uh, we, we kind of break it down in about 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's, you know what, that, that was a fantastic idea you guys had to have that episode zero, because I'll tell you, there are a lot of people, including myself that don't completely understand analytics. I mean, I, I get the, the basic gist of it, but I'm, I'm, very old school to the point where, you know, for me, for the longest time, plus minus was the biggest analytics I got into. So <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Try not to lose your dinner. I'm just saying. Oh, God. I, I have said that was the one thing I said, Cece, if you ever cite plus, plus minus, I will quit doing this show. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll not. And we talk about that in episode zero. I'm like, this is not a good stat. And we explain like, this, like I think that's one of the longer like portions of it is explaining why plus minus is just not useful in any way. Right. Sure. As well. Like too, the other thing that helps me is like, I wasn't, you know, when I first started watching hockey, like in a, a serious way, I was not an analytics guy. I was not a numbers guy. And then I became a, a data person outside of hockey. And then it came back to being part of what I did for hockey. And like the thing that's nice about like the models that I use and all of the graphs that I produce is I understand how they work but I also understand where they fall short and they don't measure the game perfectly. And I never try and claim that they do, uh, but I can be able to be like, all right, this is, you know, this guy is here on this graph, but having seen him play, I don't think that's indicative of what he's capable of, or that's way overshooting how good he is because the model doesn't take into account these things that are going blah, 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 blah. But like, I, I can do a really good job of understanding where it falls short and where the eye test falls short and kind of bring all of that together. And that's what we try and bring on our, our you know, uh, show that also uh, makes jokes and has trivia games and plays Mario music at the end. So that's awesome. <laughs> that is so awesome. And I tell you, I, and I will put the link up for that. The, the website you see scrolling across the bottom right there. See, I would have put all that stuff you just talked about, but there is no way I am fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do that. <laughs> Dave's not here. That's that's Dave's alley, not not mine. So oh, yeah, we we have our uh, like our, our, thing up, you know? we have like a link tree link that basically is like go to this link. And it will show you all of the other links that you might want to vi- visit that we talked about. There you about. go. And from there, whatever you do is on you. But uh, yeah, that, right. that's usually what we have scrolling on the bottom too. So it's <laughs> we don't expect people to remember all that stuff. I barely remember all of it too. So, <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. And we, we do appreciate this. And you know what? Maybe we'll have to talk about back talk back in a couple months or so. We'll see how our predictions are going. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. One of yeah. the one of my favorite things that we do that I insisted that we do is at our end year award show. We did this last year too. Is uh, the team that we were the wrongest about in their favor in the preseason. We have an award for it's called the Dunce Award. And uh, <laughs> in order to kind of uh, make up for the like, we own the fact like we were wrong. This is why we were wrong. We thought this thing would go badly and it didn't. And blah, blah, like we explained the whole thing. And we also uh, donate to an education cause in that team's uh, footprint in their market. Because if we were stupid, other people need to learn to be smarter. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, Sean, thanks a million. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, let's do this again in, uh, say, two, three months. Sounds good, man. I'm down for it. All right. Beautiful. That's Sean O'Brien, everybody. We thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Sean. Yep. Have a good one. Oh man, that was so much fun. That, that really was. That uh, that was great. I, and yeah. I tell you, you got to check that. If you haven't listened to that podcast, you got to because, like I said, you learned so much about the AHL from just yeah. from different perspectives from what we're used to talking about and used to seeing. Um, so there is going to be no commercial break, of course. 
Are we gonna? Are you gonna do the whole thing of all right? We're going to a commercial, and then you come right back. Oh my god, I screwed that up so bad last time. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. I'm so out of my wheelhouse, you know. So we're not going to commercial break. We will do breakaway trivia though. And as everybody knows, breakaway trivia is brought to you by Jimmy the Iceman McNeil's children's book, the Red and White Zamboni Ice Machine. There it is, right there. If you would like a copy, you can email Jimmy at what is it, Mac underscore Iceman at hotmail.com. All right, buddy. So it's only you. I know. I don't like this. I, I hate this right now. Yeah. You know, so there's no pressure or anything. I don't oh. even read the outline. So I don't even know. I don't even know what it is. Okay. So here it is. The breakaway trivia question is: Who scored the most goals in Utica Devils history? Ouch. Ouch. Ah. Uh, you couldn't go with like penalty minutes. I would want like Scott Stevens or somebody. Claude Villegrain. No, Utica. Um, yeah, I was say Utica Devils. Yeah, I know it. Oh, okay. Uh, Zelopukin, devil? For a little while. And not long enough to make that record then. Nah. Dowd? Nope. It was Jeff Medill. Oh. And he was one of my favorite. He was one of my yeah. favorite players, too. Yeah. Oh, I liked him. Jeff Medill. I'll tell you, you know, at first I thought it might have been like Kevin Todd. But he's he's an all-time yeah. leader in assists. Assists, yeah, yeah. So, oh, Jeff Medell, 126 oh. goals as a Utica Devil. That was a good one. Yeah, it was actually. So let's talk some college hockey, shall we? Oh, Our yeah. Utica College Pioneers are now number two in the country. Awesome, and we have a huge setting, tournament coming up. Setting up for the good weekend. Oh man, this is going to be so much fun! The Thanksgiving <laughs> tournament at the Adirondack Bank Center this yeah. weekend. Yeah. We got our number two ranked pioneers. You got Amherst College coming in. You got uh, was it UMass or Boston? UMass, UMass Boston. I had that backwards. Sorry. And the team that they're trying to catch for number one, the number one ranked Geneseo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Utica College plays Amherst Friday night. UMass Boston and Geneseo play each other in the other game, and then the winners play each other Saturday, and of course the losers the two games. So, anyways, thoughts on the tournament? And you got to be wanting Geneseo to win. Friday night, along with I, I, I want to see number one versus number two. Yeah, I think everybody will. Um, I mean, if anybody, anybody follows college hockey, I think all of D three hockey will be looking in at that game anyway. Oh yeah, um, I think they're gonna as much as these these two teams are going to probably get that NCAA bid uh, meet again, probably. But it's going to be you know that that precursor to seeing what is going to happen. When it's going to matter more, right? Possibly for the D three title, but it's also in a tournament view. Like you know, you're, you're going to want to win a tournament, sure, and especially at home be, and at home. So I mean, is Genesee going to want to come in and spoil it? Absolutely. Is Utica College going to want to say, "Hey, guess what? This is our tournament. We're going to take it over." Absolutely. So I mean, it's going to be a great weekend of hockey. Um, I I really hope that the boys will pull it through. I think they're focused, and I think that they're rolling really well right now. Um, Absolutely. So, I think that we really will be expecting a victory. And they are completely healthy, correct? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Nothing major, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, know, I'm, nothing yeah. major. Yeah, um, you know, and here's the thing, too, Jerry. I mean, here the, the comments are potentially going to play the number one team in Geneseo. Mm-hmm. They've already played two games against the now number three ranked Adrian College mm-hmm. Bulldogs. I mean, you want to talk about taking on tough competition early in the season. That is exactly what Coach Heaton's team has done. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They did. They they. I think he. Uh, 
he's, he pretty much just said, let's, let's just go out and get it. You know, let's just go show them what we do rather than, rather than wait for the end of the year. And, you know, and, you know, walk through their whole entire schedule. They said, you know, let's just set these games up and sure. let's play them because yeah. we are ready for this competition at any given time. And that's what, what we have right now for our team. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, this, this tournament is just going to be awesome. I can't wait. I, I, I know, dude. I, I really can't. I can't this wait. Is- I got, <laughs> and you know, it's going to be so tough because, you know, I have another, my son is in another tournament this weekend and it's out in Syracuse. So it's not, we're not staying over. So, I mean, between driving out to Syracuse on Saturday and then driving back for the UC game and then driving back out there Sunday morning. And it's, it's just like, it's a whole nother weekend of hockey all over again for me. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. Yeah. But just as long as it's worth it for you. Right. Oh, I mean, it's worth it. Get, get those, get those victories. That's all we want. That's all we want. It's worth it. But, uh, so let's move on. Uh, the New Jersey Devils have unveiled their third uniform. And uh, so the LA Kings wore theirs last week. And those, those they're the 90s style throwback, but they have the purple helmets. No, no, no. Black and silver with the, the chevron. Oh, the the, the okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the Gretzky helmets. Yeah, Gretzky is what they call them. But they have chrome like helmets. So let's like talk the about these two uniforms. Uh, well, you know what? Let's pick on the Kings first. Yeah. I got to tell you. I cannot stand the chrome helmets. I like the throwback. I, like, I love the throwback I like the idea. Look. Love it. I just, just don't like the chrome helmet. Like, yeah. why? Why? Vegas why? does the same thing with theirs with, the, gold. with the gold. Yeah. yeah. The Kings like are doing either. chrome. I, uh, to me, it just has no place. No, it's too shiny. <laughs> I yeah. See, I mean, it, it is obviously it's shiny, but I mean, you know, it's 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 too flashy. Like, why right. why be flashy? You're hockey players. Like, you're not supposed to be flashy. I know. I don't. I, just, I, don't I don't get it. I think they got like aluminum foil on their head or something. I can't, right, right. Can't and didn't they it. wear? Didn't they wear the chrome helmet for the outdoor game? Yeah, but I mean that was an outdoor game. That was an outdoor thing. game. You know, right. like, that's and a I, one-off, right? And I Whatever, saw it. I saw it, it but... and I'm going. I go. Yeah, it kind of looks kind of cool for the outdoor game. It's catching reflections that you normally wouldn't see for sure. an outdoor game. Now you're gonna wear like I mean, eh, no. I think they should have just went with. Let's yeah, go with I a mean, white helmet. I don't know. Black I helmet. Mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's going to be part of their, you know, regular uniform kit for this year. It's their third uniform. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's not like this is going to be the last time we see it. I mean, I'm just hoping that enough fans complain about it that they'll just crack it. <laughs> I doubt get rid it. Of it. I get doubt rid of it. it. But, you know, not, yeah. like I said, not the uniform itself. The uniform itself. I, I always loved that 90s look. Absolutely. Loved it. Absolutely. You know, and I've been wanting for that to come back for the longest time. But, man. Helmet. The helmet's just. I, I don't. I don't like the chrome look. I don't. No. Not. I at mean, all. I don't like the chrome look in any sport. No. Like it just does not look right. I mean, it looks. The only one it works for is Notre Dame football. Oh, it's, no, it doesn't. It, it does because I mean, you, you're used to it by now. No, I'm not. Okay, so go back to the old dull gold helmet. Or just leather helmets. There you go. Do is that. that. What you're? Is that what you're clamoring for over here? <laughs> <laughs> I do that. I, yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a Notre Dame guy. I don't like Notre Dame at all. I don't like I just, I just no, no. They're <laughs> spoiled rotten little brats that I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Spoiled. Well yeah, yeah. And, but you know what? It's a good thing that we're not we're not worried about college football right now. I don't want to even yeah. think about it. No we don't think about it right now. <laughs> and you, so you know, talk- speaking you just made me mad thinking about Notre Dame. I mean they just swept Michigan in hockey too. I know. I know. Man, what happened to, to Michigan hockey? I mean they didn't drop far. They only they're down to three and four in the polls. So I mean I think it's uh, yeah. just one of those things that, you know, everybody knows that have them play again, Michigan will probably beat them. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to look. They have, what, five of the first-round picks in their, on their team? But that's what I mean. I mean, everybody was <laughs> expecting like, to like, go undefeated this year. No, you know? no, I didn't expect them to go undefeated at all. Um, I mean, I knew that they were going to take their lumps. I knew that they were going to, you know, you know, not overlook teams, but just not come out and perform. And they that's what they've done. I mean, they right. did it against Western Michigan. They've done it against Notre Dame. Um, and Notre Dame's, you know, not to take anything away from them, they're a good, they're a good team to play against. Sure. And you know, Western Michigan is another one that's a good team to play against. Um, they'll you get know, it together. They'll get it together. That's what I like about college hockey too, right? So like these Division One teams that are like in the top fifteen, like otherwise you would never have heard of them, right? No. Because they they don't no. have a basketball program, they don't have a football no. program, like right. yeah. you know, unless yeah. you're a college hockey fan, have you ever heard of Bemidji State? I know, I know. No, yeah, no, no. And they, they look at it like, how do you even say that? Yeah, what, no, is that? Right. Bimid, what, what is that? What, what is that? Well, how do you say that? It's like, Bimid, where is Bimid, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, that's that's a that's a thing. Like, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got the they got the state of Minnesota that pretty much rounds out the all yeah, top five. I mean, that's just pretty how much. it is. Yeah. So. Well, I think they, you know, they have ten thousand lakes and about nine thousand hockey schools. So I mean, what <laughs> it's do you expect, pretty much right? it's pretty much what it is. <laughs> It's pretty but much anyways, what it is. Getting back to those uniforms, did you see uh, jerseys? Third, uh, I did. I did see those come out, and you know, I like the black. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, I just. I don't know if I like the jersey written on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was. I mean, that was a little different. I mean, I well, don't they're know. they're having a little fun with that on Twitter right now. I don't know if you saw some of the uh, stuff. No, I haven't. Out. So you know how it says jersey across the front. Well, yeah. Somebody went and made. A hat in the same color says hat, <laughs> socks, you know, pants, you know. Well, that's the thing. Like you're looking at it says jersey. I'm like, well, no shit, it's a jersey. Well, oh wait a minute, that's it's saying jersey, like it's New Jersey. Oh, now I get it. You know, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just maybe they should have done like a devil head or something like that, or with just something different, like because they've never done that. They've never right. had a devil head on a jersey. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I like them because you know they're. I it's always like different. the black look. I like the black yeah. look on hockey. I, mean, I just do. I, the darker look, I like it. Maybe and even the white. Even if they reverse that and go all white, with, yeah. you know, that would that would look clean too. I mean, I've always been partial to the red and green look. I was really hoping I, to do something uh, there. But, I'm uh, sure we're going to see that one soon enough. Yeah, um, I mean that's. You know. I hope, um, but I, you know, I do like I do like the red and green. Yeah, absolutely. And if, in case anybody's wondering, it's uh, the the five stripes that are on the, the the third jersey that well jersey has represents the five retired numbers they have. Oh, okay. All so, right. So yeah, well, that's, so, that's nice. I guess yeah. that's nice. That's so, I mean, cool. there's a little bit of you know history built into it anyway. Too, yeah. So you know, so there's that. Uh, yeah, I, I I like it, but I don't know. Just jersey. It just says jersey. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys gotta try a little harder come on yeah it's like just find something else to put on it like come on uh so let's shift gears here and let's uh let's talk about something i'm sure that you're absolutely loving right now oh boy. new york islanders have opened their brand new UBS oh, yes. arena yes. with two straight yes. losses yes, uh and they came home after opening the season with 13 straight road games uh through 15 games they have only 12 points and they are eight points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for the final wild card playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So, Jeremy, I ask you, is it time to panic on the island? No, <laughs> absolutely not. As much as yeah, it pains I was me to say to, I was that, trying to bait you right in on that one. And... As much as it, as much as it pains me to say that, like they are just they're too good not to wake up. 
I mean, you know, that's that's what they yeah. really got to do. I mean, they're they're they just got to wake up. I think, and I mean, they'll they'll get it. They're going to come along, and I don't see them staying this bad for right. this long. I mean, they they will. It's you know, it's puck luck, right? Yeah. Right now, they don't have it, but yeah. they are a team that once they get it, watch out because oh, it's absolutely. you know you, you you're going to wish upon the worst against your enemy, and I bet he's going to come back. <laughs> Ten times harder than he ever has, and this is—it's basically what the island is going to do. They're going to wake up and be like, "Hey, guess what? Oh yeah, we play this game called hockey. Let's go do it." <laughs> so, I mean, that's—that's going to be that, and it—and it's—they're going to put something together and just just watch out for any team that meets them. Yeah, you—you know—I ask that because there, there's an old axiom in, in hockey that you know, if you're in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving, it's usually a pretty good indicator of you're going to end up in the playoffs, and if you're not, then that's like. You just said you got some work to do. Right. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Uh, for as good as Ilya Sorokin has been so far for the Islanders, uh, Vlarmov missing that time really hurt because they oh, were yeah. so dependent on that one-two tandem, right? Oh, yeah, big time, and, big time. And you know what? Having to play those 13 games to start the season on the road, that's difficult. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are, how mm-hmm. good of a system you got, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously coming home to a brand new arena and yeah, all the yeah. hullabaloo around yeah, that. Yeah. So I too think the Islanders will end up being okay. Uh, I do wonder if Lou doesn't pull a, a deal at some point here to try to maybe get a little more scoring for him because that kind of seems to be the Achilles heel of this team. That's what I've been hearing is you know a lot of a lot of people are talking about is Lou going to pull Lou Amarillo tricks? Is he going to do? Right. Is he going to do it? Is he going to pull this? Is what's what's he what's he going to concoct now? And he's it's one who's out there, who's out there for him to to make a deal for. Right. Um, two, will a deal be worthwhile in both sides? Sure. Um, you know, sure. They, he's got to make sure that it works for both teams and he doesn't want to go broke. Um, but he's I'm sure he will. I mean, I think every team's still looking for a guy, you know, right. And obviously, right now the island does need it. Um, you know I what? Those... I don't think they're in a fire sale. I don't think that they're no. they're in a straight panic mode yet. I mean, they're they're panicking, of course, but it's kind of like saying, "All right, listen, the season's we're we're just don't worry, we'll get it. We just had to come home really quick." And yeah, yeah, right. You know. Oh, I mean, it, and I I read today Brock Nelson's going to miss two to four weeks, which isn't yeah. going to make anything easier. No. But I don't think you're going to really see any trades right away, just because. It's hard to make those deals early in the season like this. Yeah, because absolutely. Because everybody, everybody still thinks they're in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. So, I mean, who who really is going to trade a major piece at this point? Unless it's a, you know, blow your socks off deal. I can't say no to this. Right. Which you would never see Lou Lamarillo make that panic trade. No, no, that, absolutely that's not. That's not happening. And no, so, he's not. And that's why I think, I think right now he's probably still just sitting back going, pump the brakes. We're okay. Yeah. We Brad. haven't. We were literally on the road for thirteen <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, <laughs> let's relax here. Like our psychology, our psyche is way off. Like we have not been home. Right. Let's exactly. come home, take a deep breath. We'll get it back together. Exactly. I mean, and right. I think that's. I mean, you got to think. That, like you said, that's a long time on the road. It I mean, is. The, you're not home. Like that, you know, take let's go home. Take a deep breath. That's what you always, go home. Refresh yourself. Reset yourself. That's what you have to do. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and then they come home to, like you said, brand new arena. Yeah. Well, have they really taken that deep breath yet? 
Have they really reset themselves? No, they yeah. get right back up. They're coming home to a home arena, but it's brand new. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, I get it. The team is all happy that they're playing in a brand new arena. Like, I, I get that. The, 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 the feeling is great, but you still have this monkey on your back going, oh, man, like we haven't even taken a breath yet. Like, I just need a break from all the, the fun of this. Just let's just right. come to work on a normal day where it's right. not something going on. Absolutely. And I, I, I think you're right. They, they will eventually correct the ship. Uh, don't worry. Islanders fans. It's not, it's not time to panic just yet. Although uh, I love any Islander fan that panics. I do. I mean, yeah, they I can, panic all, they can panic all they want. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was panicking a little, a little bit the other night when, you know, we had 0.4 seconds left on the clock. Oh and my we God. Punched it in, so, you know, and that was, that was if awesome. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, Oof. man, that, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Point I, four seconds. I, I was literally sitting, I'm like, I go, all right, so all right, each team's getting a point. We're going to overtime and I'm watching them dig and I'm watching them dig. And I'm going, the rest yelling, move the puck, move it, move it. And I'm going, uh, one second. Uh, here we go. And the puck popped out and I'm going, yeah. oh, oh. Oh my God! It really wanted, I counted that work, and I looked at the clock. I'm going, "Holy cow! There's still time left." That actually scored. That like what? There's going to be no review. That's a legit goal, right? And I, I was like, I screamed. To, like I text Dom, and I go, "Did you just scream right now?" He goes, <laughs> "I go because I did." <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I was actually getting ready to go out to the kitchen to get a drink because I'm like, "All right, Tate Thompson has this pinned against the boards." Yeah, we're going to overtime. Gonna we're yeah. going to go overtime. I was yeah. getting a drink. Then all of a sudden, I saw the same right out of the court. I go, what? what? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, boy. You yeah. Know? And you know what the funny thing was? Is I'm like sitting there. I'm going, great. This is on MSG. It was a Buffalo broadcast. Yeah. There was no Ranger broadcast. I would have loved to hear Sam Rosen call that game. I would have loved that. <laughs> but no, of course, it has to be a Buffalo broadcast. So, I mean, whatever. It, 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 we won it. We took it and didn't have to worry about overtime for once. And, you know, it. Once again, Shesty played a Shesty, and Gorgiev yeah. is Gorgiev's Gorgiev. I mean, I you think know, I, he's going to be on the block soon enough because I don't think he's. And you know, I got to tell you something though, and and maybe, uh, what's your opinion on this? Shesterkin has, beyond shadow of a doubt, in my eyes, been the MVP for the Rangers so far. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this team is. Yeah. A, yes. Have you seen what they're they're? I mean, they're the, now their record is what. 10-3-2, I think. 10-3-2, I think. 10-3, 10-4-2. Like yeah, yeah, something like that. Have you seen what their goal differential is overall? Oh, it's terrible. It's zero. Yeah. It's like even. How are you 10-3-2 yeah. and, two oh, and yeah, be it's terrible. absolutely even terrible. on your, terrible. you know? It's I, just irking. Shesty is standing on his head right now. And, you know, our the thing is, is that the defense, we have great defenders like Truba, Lindgren, um, Fox. I mean, do, do I Fox really? I mean, like that's yeah. We but have I mean, a great defensive core. Like I don't understand what we're doing wrong, where we're giving up all of these shots. All one, all of these shots to make Chessie stand on his head, and then we don't help him really. Yeah, we don't help him at all in any goals. Like we don't yeah. give him a lead. We're like, oh, okay, we'll take a one goal lead. But then we're going to let three more go in, and then we'll put in four more just to get the lead back, and we'll win. It's like no, you, that's what you're not helping our goaltender. And I, I love Shusty. I love Gorgiev is is very. Uh, I don't know this year. He's he's the goalie that. Well, I think maybe in his mind he's like, listen, I got no shot of being the number one now. Oh right? no, not, you know what I mean. So in his head, started, like, I'm just a backup. A, I'm just the guy. Who's, you know, he does I, not I have you, a chance to be a starter right now. If there's one thing that, 
you know, would make me nervous as a Rangers fan. They just seem to be so dependent offensively on the power play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if they're not getting four or five power plays a game, they're not scoring. Yeah. Um, no, know? we have, and it's, I mean, which it's, is amazing I, given the, the top six the, that they have. We have. Yeah. You know, I, and maybe it's yeah. just something that's just got to be worked out as the season goes along. I don't, I don't know. I just, I think the, I mean, that's been going on for years though, too, Scotty. Yeah. I mean, the power play in New York, it, it's non existent. No, the power not been great. It's the five out of five that's been the problem this year. Well, yeah, but I mean, it. We just, I don't know. I don't know the line combinations. I don't know. I don't know what they do. I really don't. And I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what to say or what to think about how to or what they're thinking about doing. Um, I mean, obviously, you brought in grit with Tenorti and Reeves, and you know. Hunt's flying around a little bit more. Right. Sammy, Blay is, Sammy Blay is out now. now, but yeah, you know, I mean, that was a little bit more of a gritty guy that we needed. Um, sure. I don't know if they were there. I mean, it's not like we we have somebody to watch our back. Reeves is there; he will do that. Right. You know, he's already called out Subban. Yeah, a bunch, but he, I think Subban has basically turned him down. I mean, the fight he got into what was it against Toronto? Was it Toronto? It was, yeah. Or that he didn't even know if the kid was he in his in Reeves's press in presser. He's sitting there going, "I thought the kid was joking. Like I had no yeah, idea right. who this kid was." And that's why you look at it. You watch the fight and you see his hands are down. He's like going, "Are like you really going to fight me? Like this is really going to happen? Like you know what's going to happen to you right now?" And you really cameras are rolling, right? I mean, right? Like are you? This is what you really want to do? And you know they ended up throwing and yeah, you know, and that's what happened. I mean, you got somebody there that will bang and back you guys up. Just go out and play your game now. Like, I mean, Kreider's on fire, but he's getting those – he's getting his goals. He's getting the right. goals that literally drop in front of him, and he's chipping them in and putting them in and deflecting them in like he always like, does. You know what right. I mean? It's there killing. It he's killing it. Right. Five on five? Don't have a clue. Yeah. have no idea what's going on. Hmm. Well, it's, a, it's something for Coach Gallant to figure out for you. And, we're he- and they're healthy. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, too. other than Sammy Blade, but I mean, other than that, right? But he wasn't going to be we're a healthy for your offense anyway. No, yeah. we're healthy. So. We're healthy. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I have no. And Kako came on. Kako's finally yeah. playing, like he should be playing. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. I don't know. I, I, I was no expecting a little more out of Lafreniere this year. I yeah. Um, I think he's not much. I'm not saying that he was going to be a 30 goal scorer. Right. But... Right. I think I think having him go up and down from first line to second line, it, it, you yeah. know, you, you, there's they're still playing with a chemistry of lines, but I don't know why. You right. should already have that with Zabinajab, Panarin, Kreider, Tito, sure. Loff, Kako. I mean, all right, so there you go. There's your chemistry. Figure it out. Sure. Like, have right. the guys just go out and play. Don't even practice. Have them just go out and play. Yeah. Figure out what they want to do. Maybe. I mean, I, like I said, I just honestly, I don't know what the answer is for them. No. But you know what? Maybe there isn't an answer because they're ten three and two. So I know. Just maybe this it, is this is a go. conversation, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, all right, buddy. I think that's all we got. Uh, I want to let everybody know that we're going to put the the Zamboni time machine is going to be on just a little bit of a break until I can figure out how to get some uh, some actual commercial breaks built into these here because uh, <laughs> doing an awful lot of talking here and. Uh, <laughs> So I have been uh, putting out some uh, some old Zamboni time machines in the form of an articles on uh, on the website you see scrolling on the bottom of the screen there, martysleepstick.com. And I've also been uh, reading some off for our new uh, podcast channel there, Marty's Illegal Stick, of course, is now on all major podcast platforms as well. 
But if you do get a chance, check out martysillegalstick.com because we put all kinds of articles out about the, the comets and the pioneers and uh, having a lot of fun doing it as well. So check that out. We've got new content on there every day. Well, Paul, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, looking forward to a great weekend of hockey starting uh, tomorrow night with the, the Comets playing uh, Rochester at the oh, yeah. Bank Center and the big Thanksgiving tournament coming. Oh, yeah. So, uh, once again, we want to thank Sean O'Brien from the Calder Farmstead for coming on and uh, enlightening us up with a lot of AHL info that, heck, I, I tell you, I didn't know. <laughs> and, uh, and like I said, hopefully we're going to have uh, Dom and Gumper back here next week. Awesome. So, for the Professor Jeremy Roberts, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next week on Marty's Illegal Stick. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. With every race, every qualifying run, and every pit stop, Tim Coffeen would feel the pressure and excitement. With his own podcast on the Sports History Network called Tim Coffeen Talks IndyCar and Racing History, Tim will share those very same racing emotions and memories with his listeners. Learn, laugh, and enjoy the world of IndyCar racing through the eyes of Tim Coffeen. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.